Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield College in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast will share these stories through oral history interviews we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy these stories. My name is Rich Schmidt. I'm here at Elizabeth Chambers Cellars in McMinnville with Liz Chambers. Uh, it's June 23rd, 2016. And Liz, we'd like to start everyone off by asking them, why wine? Why wine? Wow. Um, I came into wine in a very um, backwards way. Um, I graduated from the University of Oregon with a degree in finance and went to work for Chubb Insurance Company. I worked in the insurance industry for about four years and ended up um, risk and benefits manager for my family's companies. My mother was in broadcasting cable television. My father had a construction company. Um, and I was doing that until um, Doyle Hinman, who founded Hinman Vineyards, came to my mother in 1991 and asked if she would be interested in investing in his winery. And, he, and uh, she wasn't real interested. <laughs> Um, but after much back and forth conversation, they came to an agreement. She ended up purchasing 80% um, of the winery. And in the meantime, hired a consultant to do a five-year plan. And the consultant said, you need to buy Doyle out the rest of the way. And you need a family member to run the winery and be the face of the winery. And um, I was in my early 30s at the time. And my mom said, how would you like to run the winery? <laughs> and I said, oh my gosh, that sounds like so much fun. So for about uh, a few months, it was really fun because I didn't know what I didn't know. And then I realized I didn't know anything. <laughs> and it was a very steep learning curve. Um, I was just kind of, it was just sort of handed to me, here, make this work. And I thought it was uh, instead of insurance and benefits, and it wasn't, it was in addition to. And um, for the next four, four and a half years, I absolutely hated it. I, and cash flow was negative, and I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was, I didn't know the language. Um, but after about five years, I figured it out. And I went, okay, this, I get this, and I like this. Um, I think that if you're in the wine business, you either love it or you leave it. it it's, there's no in between. It's, um, you know, just having a good glass of, especially Pinot Noir. You know, I can just smell it and it makes me happy. So um, that's sort of where I got started. Um, our family changed the name of Hinman Vineyards to Sylvan Ridge. We kept the Hinman label. And then in 2005, someone came to me and said, do you think you would be interested in buying another winery? And I was like, I don't know, maybe. Um, it turned out to be Panther Creek Cellars. So um, that's that's how I got to this building. Um, I convinced my mom to buy it. And at the last minute, she said, I don't want to own the building. It, she was worried about pollution because it was the former power plant for the city of McMinnville. And so, um, so the Kaplan said, oh, sure, no problem. We'll cut out a price for the property and you can just lease it from us. So for a couple of months, we did that. But I was trying to put in a tasting room and I was getting very frustrated with trying to deal with what they wanted me to do versus what I wanted to do. And so I just went, you know what, I'm done. I'm gonna buy the building. So I ended up purchasing the property. Um, everything was going along fine until 2011. My mother passed away. 
and my family and I disagreed about a lot of things. Um, one of the things was the wine business. Um, it ended up that they sold the brand, Panther Creek, to, um, they sold the brand. Uh, but I owned the property and had the relationships with growers and Michael was my winemaker and he said, why don't we just start a new brand? And I, um, for many months said, no, that just sounds like way too much work. And um, the universe just kept sending me these messages like, <laughs> you're supposed to do this. And so, um, just summer of 2012, I said, okay, we're gonna do this. So um, I ended up getting juice from Panther Creek for the 2011 vintage that we had made. <laughs> and um, that was our first vintage. And I bought grapes with Michael in 2012. And here we are. So I guess that's my story. It doesn't necessarily say why wine, but that's, I just, that's how I got into it. It's an interesting way to get into it, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you talk about the early years and, and hating it for a while and coming to, was there ever a point at which you thought about getting out and never coming back? Yes. <laughs> What convinced yes. you to stay? Um, it, it just finally figured it out. You know, you, you can't make changes quickly in the wine industry. It, it takes years to, you know, we're, we're selling wine today that we bought grapes, you know, three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. So um, it just really took figuring it out, like making it, saying, okay, I can make this work. And if you can make it work and you love it, you know, then it's really not work at all. <laughs> Did you have um, mentors in the industry early on? How did you, how did you go about learning from, from, from basically nothing? I just was thrown into the water, you know, and I tried to attend as many industry events as I could. Um, I think in the early years I wasn't as well respected because I didn't work my, you know, I, I was just handed mm -hmm. this winery to make work. Um, I think after 20, some years, 24, 25 years, um, I've worked my way into um, a little more respect and appreciation for how hard I've worked to try and, and um, participate in the Oregon wine industry. Was there a defining moment for you when it clicked, when you decided that I, I can do this? Oh boy, not that I can really pinpoint. Um, when I got cash flow in a positive direction, that was huge. You know, when I could answer the phone and not be, and be able to say, oh, I can pay you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're gonna get paid this month. Um, with Elizabeth Chambers Seller, it's like every, it's like every month there's a new challenge and sort of like it, I have to ask myself if I have the, do I really want to do this? Like, do I really believe in what I'm doing? Because I didn't have to do it. And um, I would, a challenge would come and I'd be like, wow, how much do I care about this? And um, I'd be like, no, I really, I know what we're doing is right. And we have a great product and we have great growers. And um, I love this facility. Um, and then the next morning, it would be like that challenge, something would come along that, that that made the challenge disappear or become manageable. Um, I think a lot of it has to do uh, just with the belief and really believing in what you're doing and what the product is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
and so now you have two. You're the owner proprietor of two different businesses, two different cities, two different everything. How do you? How does that work for you? What is that like? Um, it's a lot of driving, <laughs> um, and I have really good managers. So Sunny is my manager here at Elizabeth Chamber Cellar. Um, Angela is, is my manager at Sylvan Ridge, and I have really great staff. How do you split your time? I live in Eugene, and my office is in my home. Um, and then I am at each winery about once a week. Um, and then I travel quite a bit for both when, when needed. I just got back from South Carolina and Connecticut for two weeks, um, working in the markets, representing both brands. Do you enjoy that part of the job? I do, very much. Um, but it's a lot of work. It's, um, you know, you have to be on. You're telling your story day in and day out, you know, 10 times a day, new people, total strangers. You're in a, a city you don't know with um, riding in a car with uh, representatives from the distributors and meeting with accounts. But when you pour the wine and people say, wow, that's good, it's like so rewarding. And, and I think people like my story. It sort of resonates with people that I was like, nope, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to make it work. In terms of marketing, we, we obviously, we've we done a lot of these interviews. We hear a lot of complaints and, and people who not, are not a big fan of that part of the job. How have you noticed it change in the time you've been working and selling wine, especially on the East Coast, outside of Oregon? How has the reputation of Oregon changed? Oh, in the last 25 years, Oregon has become known. Um, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a restaurant that I go to that doesn't have at least one Oregon wine on their list across the country. Um, at least in the you know the nicer restaurants. Mm -hmm. So we the reputation of Oregon wines has just um, skyrocketed. I think, in the, especially in the last ten years. And that makes your job easier. Yes and no. There's a lot more competition. Sure. You know, there's over 650 wineries in Oregon now. Um, but I think we are all spreading the message of Oregon and not just us. You know, it's not about us individually. It's about Oregon as a brand. And I think the Oregon Wine Board has done a great job of um, really getting the message out as well. So what's, what is you, how are Sylvan Ridge and Elizabeth Chamber Cellars different? Like, what makes them unique? Um, Elizabeth Chamber Cellar is um, primarily Pinot Noir. Um, we're up in the heart of Pinot Noir country in McMinnville, and we, we specialize in single vineyard Pinots. Um, and Elizabeth Chamber Cellar, we do, of course, Pinot Noir, Pinot Gris, early Muscat is our core, but we um, source a lot of fruit from Southern Oregon, and so we make a lot of different varietals, um, Tempranillo, Malbec, mm -hmm. um, Viognier, my winemaker at Sylvan Ridge is from Venezuela, and so he uh, really likes, you know, specializes in some of the bigger reds. And so, uh, speaking of winemakers, you have two different winemakers to work with as well. How yes. do you work that relationship? How does that work for you? Uh, they work together, really. Um, JP is here one usually once every, well, it used to be once a week. Now it's um, every couple of weeks. I think he'll be here today. Um, and so they really consult with each other and I think give each other advice and suggest, you know, they just, it, they work as a really good team. Um, Michael 
clearly has jurisdiction here, and JP has, you know, the, sure. runs everything down there. But they they really work cooperatively together. So you're in the historic power plant building, like you said, here in McMinnville. Was uh, was that part of the draw of this originally? Was the building part of the allure? I don't think it was to begin with. Um, when we first bought the property, this was a really dark, cold, damp cellar. Um, all the brick was painted orange. All the windows were closed. I mean, it really was meant to be a cellar uh, when it was Panther Creek. And then um, when I decided to make it mine and put my name on it, we talked about how can we make it different? How can we make it stand out? And we said, this is a beautiful old building. Let's bring it back to its glory. So um, it, it's night and day, the way it looks now from what, uh, what it was when it was Panther Creek. We put in this wall so that you could still see the cellar, but we could keep the cellar at separate temperature from the tasting room. Um, keep a temperature con and humidity controlled. Um, and then really just brighten this up. We have a beautiful garden outside that no one knew was there because the windows were all blocked. We didn't have a door. You know, you only went, the only pe way people knew it was there is if they went through the restroom. So, yeah, so it's really, it's really uh, opened up quite a bit. So we noticed the blue butterfly uh, on your label and around the, uh, is for your mother. Why the butterfly, and why did you have her choose to have her represented in the winery that way? Uh, my mother collected butterflies, and when I I had this a blue morphos butterfly in a box, that when I went to my marketing guy, when I finally was convinced, all right, I'm starting a new winery, I took this butterfly in the box and put it on the table and said, all right, I'm starting a new winery. This butterfly has to be part of it. Um, my mom really encouraged um, entrepreneurs. Like she, I know, is smiling at me, saying, I'm so proud of you, you didn't give up. Um, I see butterflies. Like I see, like I make a decision and a butterfly, you know, like the butterfly goes by, I'm like, okay, I made the right decision. I mean, it's okay, I know it's kind of corny, but I really think it's true. And um, so yeah, so he said, uh, I should name it for my, myself, which was, awkward at first for me. I put my name on the, the label and the building, and uh, but it's turned out okay. A friend of mine said um, that owns a wine shop in Eugene, I said, did you hear I'm starting a new brand? He's like, yeah, I'm putting your name on it. It better be good. <laughs> I was like, okay. So yeah, but the butterfly is really just, um, it's mom. It's mom there cheering me on. Speaking of your decision for the name, we, we noticed it's kind of unique to have first and last name uh, for, your, for your winery and your label. Was that a, a choice you made, a conscious choice to be Elizabeth Chambers and not just, say, Chambers Winery? It was my marketing, the person I hired to launch the brand. He said Elizabeth Chambers is a strong name and um, he said uh, it shows this feminine, but it's a strong feminine name and so it was there a moment that you uh, started that started your passion for Pinot Noir like was there a moment you can remember or a time in your life you remember that yes Joe Dobbs was my winemaker at Sylvan Ridge and we made he made a Visconti vineyard 1994 Visconti vineyard Pinot Noir and I smelled it and I was like wow this is 
this is heaven. Um, I think I called it sex in a bottle. It was that good. Yeah. Did you grow up with wine as part of your life? Not particularly. No. Um, my parents drank wine, but not, I mean, they were more martini, mm -hmm. you know, cocktails. Um, in fact, when I think back, they drank pretty crummy wine. <laughs> yeah. My kids, however, have a really good palate. <laughs> Funny how that works. Yeah. 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 yeah, they're spoiled. You know, no going back. Uh, what makes a wine great, in your opinion? Um, a wine is great if it tastes great to you. I mean, I think it's just such a personal, a personal uh, choice, decision. Um, it needs to be balanced. You know, the, the acids need to be balanced with the tannins. I like, it. I like wine to be pretty, if you can say that, mm -hmm. soft and pretty. Um, I'm not crazy about big, over-the-top, um, powerful wines. Do you have other, uh, I'm sure you do, are there other people in the industry whose wine you particularly have a, a fondness for or whose winemaking style you have a fondness for? There are so many in Oregon, I couldn't even begin to choose and play, play, play favorites, <laughs> but um, there are so, there's so many good Oregon Pinots that I enjoy. Is that a, a little intimidating as a, someone who makes good Pinots to have that many match competition? No, mm -hmm. I don't think so. You know, everyone's kind of a little bit different. Um, and clearly I drink mine most often. <laughs> it's like, okay, house palette, maybe. Hi, I'm Stephanie Hoffman, and we're going to do part two of the interview with Elizabeth Chambers. Um, so this question is, um, what organizations have you been a part of in and out of the industry? What organizations? Oh. Well, I volunteer for a lot of boards. I've been on the board of the Relief Nursery um, in Eugene, the Volunteers in Medicine, um, Sacred Heart Foundation, the Hospital Foundation board. Um, as far as industry, uh, I just participate in as many industry events as I can, but I haven't particularly been on any uh, industry organizations. What has been um, an event that has really either impacted Elizabeth Chambers or one of um, or that winery or just yourself like what kind of events that you've gone to? Um, my favorite one so far has been Feast mm -hmm. in Portland. It's uh, I think it's sponsored. I don't remember who sponsors it. Um, but it really has showcased Oregon and Oregon's food wine scene um, for people from all over the US. Um, what's it like being a woman in the industry? Uh, you know, I grew up in a family where being a woman didn't make any difference. It, you know, men and women were treated the same. I was expected to go to college. I was expected to have a career. My mother was um, on the uh, reserve board for uh, the Federal Reserve Board for in San Francisco. Um, one of she was the only woman among a lot of men. Um, and so it just, I just was raised and it just really made no difference. So I'm very comfortable um, being a minority in the industry. It doesn't, I don't think I think about it. Um, but more and more women I think are becoming 
uh, winemakers and, and owners. Um, so I think it's, it's turning slowly to have more women involved. My daughter works for me now, so she's uh, the next one in line, I guess. Um, speaking of your daughter, um, did you always know that she was going to join the family business? I had no clue. Um, she would come and work in events. When, we, when it was Panther Creek Cellars, we would be here for Memorial Weekend and Thanksgiving Weekend. It was like, you don't have a choice. You, um, you need to come and help. And she gladly did and arranged cheese trays and you know, clean glasses. And um, she went to college, uh, graduated from the University of Oregon with a degree in business. And she worked at a shoe store all through school. And about two months before she graduated, I was having dinner with her and her then fiance. And she's like, mom, I want to come to work for you. And I'm like, what? Like, what? And she said, um, I need to work full-time and uh, when I graduate and I don't want to work at the shoe store because the hours are too short that she'd have to work seven days a week and weekends and and she said I don't want to have a job just working for someone just to have a job she said so I thought I would want to learn your business and I said all right um, you got to commit to two years and you have to try everything so she worked in uh, hospitality for the first summer um, after graduation and then she worked harvest and she never complained and she said she never wanted to work harvest again <laughs> um, although she ha did work harvest for me again last year in the lab um, and now she does uh, all the social media and um, does sales and marketing at the moment she's on maternity leave she had my first grandchild uh, almost three months ago so she's working very intermittently at the moment do you think your other daughter, Olivia, will join in business? I don't think so, but you know, I didn't think my oldest daughter would either. Mm -hmm. So, um, Olivia wants to be a writer, and she's a junior in high school now, so we've got some time. Yeah. I mean, we, if she wants to, I would welcome her, but it's, you know, totally her decision. What do you see the future of, um, of their future in the industry looking like for um, Julia in particular since she's already in it? Uh, I think it looks bright. I just hired her husband to do sales and marketing and he's, took, he's just taking off with it. I mean, he's, he loves it. Um, I told them that if they are not interested in, in the business that I would sell Sylvan Ridge at some point. When I am done having fun, um, but if they didn't want to take it over, I would close the doors at Elizabeth Chambers. I said if they're not going to keep it, I, you know my name's on it, and if it's not a family, going to run it and and you know have that uh, quality that they have pride in, then we'll just end it. But for now, it looks like they're going to take over. Yeah. Um. What does the future of your wineries look like? Future is looking really bright. Um, we're doing a whole new expansion of the production facilities here. Um, hosting a lot more private events. I mean, Elizabeth Chambers is still so new. We're um, not sure where we're going. You know, it's uh, we're in about 15 states and um, getting like, crazy good reviews on all of the wines. Um, 
So I, you know, I think the future is very bright for both wineries. Mm -hmm. What do you think the future is for Oregon, the Oregon wine industry in general? Again, I think it's very bright and very good. Um, the people who are in the industry in Oregon really care about the quality of what's coming out of the state. Um, there are some, uh, you know, a few of the larger ones have um, are, are being a little more mass produced, but but generally, I think the reputation for Oregon is going to be for really high quality, smaller production uh, wineries and wines. Um, since you mentioned this before, but there's over 650 wineries in Oregon, where do you think that's going to go? Do you think there's room for any more? Do you think we're like we're right at the amount? Do you think there has to be less? That's a tough one too. Um, obviously, it's the success of Oregon means that more people are going to want to do it. So um, it's a lot more work than I think people realize. You know, it sounds very glamorous. Oh, I'm going to go start a winery in Oregon. It's a lot of work. Um, so, sure, I'm sure there's going to be more. I don't know where it will stop. You know, there's only, I don't know where it will stop. I mean, really, sky's the limit, I guess. Um, speaking to how hard it is, for anyone who is um, thinking about joining the industry, what is um, any advice that you have for them, either as an owner, or a winemaker, or any part of it? Wow. Um, better plan for several years of cash flow. Um, you know, you're buying, yeah, just be, be prepared for many years of, uh, many years of inventory before you really start selling and getting caught up. I mean, it, it just, it sounds really easy. Oh, we'll make a thousand cases and we'll sell it or we'll make 3,000 cases and it, um, not as easy as you know you got a lot of competition out there so really plan for um, plan for the cash flow for the future if you had to start Elizabeth Chamber sellers again what would you have done differently oh I think I you know I'd never started a winery before so I went in a little blindly in that respect um, Although being in the industry, it certainly helped. I think I would have to say I wouldn't do anything differently because I made a lot of mistakes, but I learned a lot from those mistakes. And um, like if I if I had known how much work it would be and how much money it would be in the beginning, I probably wouldn't have done it. But because I went in a little, you know, I went in and did it. I, I look back, I wouldn't change anything. I mean, I'm so glad I did it. I'm, I'm glad I didn't know how hard it was going to be. Um, is there anything else that um, you want to talk about that we didn't ask that you wish we did? I don't think so. Um, I love being here. Love the wines, love my employees, love the business. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all the supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have made our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, plus photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you by the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield College. 
The executive producer is Kiana Anderson. Producers are Rich Schmidt, Rachel Woody, Stephanie Hoffman, and Camille Weber. And a special thanks to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.